Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And I have a pretty cool chick from Toronto, Canada area on the show today. Serena. Oh, geez. I didn't even ask. Buffalino, I believe. I think I got it. But anyway, we'll uh, we'll find out her name. We'll have her pronounce it for us. Stay with us. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Let's bring let's bring Serena on the show. Serena, hello, hey. hi. Yes, you got it right. It I is- got it. Yay! You did a good job, Serena Buffalino. This is me. Uh, Thank you, Ken, for having me here today. It's really, really, really exciting. Oh, I'm so excited. So there's a friend of mine in Toronto. Yeah, in the Toronto area. Robert, we were just discussing how we are Canadian, eh? Right? We actually just had this conversation. So I'm with you, Robert, and I'm I'm proud to be Canadian. And yes, I probably will say a a couple times. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So we have some real rock stars joining us already. Larry Schneider, good morning. Robert, good morning. So Serena, um, I created this show a couple of years or two and a half years ago, I guess. Um, and it was to help people get unstuck in life. Cause I think we all hit those walls in life and, and, and it just so happens that my last name works with that. And so here we are. Well, I mean, that's, it's funny that you said that because I feel like our whole life is learning how to get unstuck. Yeah. Cause you know, being stuck is, a part of life. It's an everyday part of life. So I always say, if you don't learn how to be okay with not being okay, yeah. you're never going to be okay. <laughs> so true. So why don't we start with um, where you were born and raised, which we kind of already know, eh? <laughs> yes. So I was, I was, I was born and raised in Hamilton, Ontario, which is just outside of Toronto. And I always say I'm, I'm a very proud and then I'm a, a true Hamiltonian. And I truly believe that just the community that I was born and raised in built me strong and built me tough, but also built me with um, a lot of heart and integrity. So I take really that, what I call that roughness about me and I put it in a place of love. So I have like this, I call like gangster love inside of me or like, because I'm like, I'm built tough. I definitely am built tougher than I believe um, maybe the regular. Well, Serena, for the record, you don't look tough. Oh, <laughs> don't let that smile fool you. <laughs> and if you got to know me better, you probably wouldn't say that. I know, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so talk about what it was, I mean, I'm not that far from you. I'm just down the road in Ohio. So, um, but talk about what it was like being raised where you were raised. What was, and, you know, and, and the reason I ask is this, is I find that um, I truly believe that there's always a, 
a person or an event or something that happens in our childhood that kind of lays the path for, for what we do as or become as an adult. 100%. You kind of hit like so many different angles there. So yeah. definitely the short end of the stick was I was, I was born to two incredible parents. Um, I love my mom and dad. They are 100% uh, the reason why I am here. And like I said, I, I was luckily born into two parents who loved me tremendously. Um, so it was a solid foundation of love, which is a beautiful thing to start your life with. Um, but things shifted quite um, traumatically as life went on. You know, I have two older sisters. I absolutely love my sisters as well. My middle sister has suffered with mental health her um, entire life. Mm. And um, there was, as you said, there was a, a tragic accident that happened in my family's life when I was 12 years old. And that particular event shifted me tremendously because prior to that, although I was born to great parents and, and, and siblings, I was always a little bit of a, like I said, a, a shit disturber, excuse my language. Um, You're I, fine. <laughs> I struggled significantly with reading and writing. My parents were both immigrants from Italy and just their life journey didn't permit school for them. So my parents were never the parents that actually sat down and were able to help me with homework or help me read and write. But again, my parents taught me this love and they taught me that every moment of my life is, is, is a teaching lesson, right? So as much as they enforced education on me because they wanted me to have that so that I could have a better life, yeah. I didn't really take that so seriously um, because I didn't, I didn't enjoy reading and writing. So I spent all my elementary school being sent down to the office and all the people who know me from high school, especially when I bump into them now that I'm in my hometown, I haven't been in my hometown for over 20 years. And wow. so I've been bumping into a lot of my friends and they say like, let's just call it what it is, Serena. You were not the sweetest, <laughs> nicest girl in high school, right? So to yeah. go on and do great things in the world that I didn't even believe I was capable of, has really, again, shifted my life. So being kicked out of class, being sent to spe special education classrooms, being left behind meant I was always stupid. You know, yeah. I was stupid. I, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't learn the way other kids learned. So I was, you know, put into a different classroom with different children. Um, and I was never actually accepted for the social, super social, kind of spiritual and intuitive person that I was that, again, I wanted to connect. For me, I wanted to connect. I wanted to know who my teacher was. I wanted to know who my friends were, not who they presented themselves to be, but I always cared about like the heart, the energy of people. Even at, in elementary school at a young age? Yeah, I never cared about reading and writing or school or the things academics, but I always cared about people. You know, and I always wanted the people around me to be okay. So, you know, like I said, I was a little bit of a troublemaker, um, a little bit of a shit disturber, but I always had this heart and this respect behind it. So I wasn't like aggressive. I was masking my behavior of not knowing how to read and write with, you know, a shitty attitude. But all of it was just to mask 
you know, the, the fact that I couldn't read and write and didn't want people to see that in me. But the core of who I was was always somebody who wanted all the people around me to be okay. And that started again with my family, with my friends, everybody. Hi. So, so <laughs> this not knowing how to read and write, was that, was that a, was that by choice or was it, was it a, no, even to this day, you know, unless I, I learn by doing, I, you know, I, I'm not your traditional learner, which is why I became a special education specialist. Good morning. We have so many fans here this morning. Do you know Nasira? No, I do not. He's in Canada. Okay. Yeah. All Canadian friends are coming out. Yeah. Way to go, Canada. They, the word must have gotten out. I don't know. That's it. A Canadian, eh? Is on your show and they're all coming. I like that. Yeah. But um, back to that original question. Um, yeah, learning uh, not, I mean, definitely I never wanted to be the stupid kid in class. You know, I never wanted to be the one that, you know, didn't know, you know, how to do things. When the other kids were reading, I was looking at the paper like, what does this say? And, you know, the teachers would sometimes go up and down rows and everybody read a sentence and I would try to figure out, you know, I wouldn't even pay attention to what people were reading, but I would try to figure out how many kids were in front of me so I could get to my sentence and, yeah. and just, you know, try it many times so that when my turn came, I didn't sound that silly. So again, that will kill your self-esteem as, as a young age. Like yeah. I, said, I had, I had the spirit, I had the heart. So I knew I had something. I just knew it wasn't the academic part. Yeah. Um, and so again, that's why when, you know, when the teacher would ask me to do something that I didn't understand, I would act out, I would misbehave, I would do something stupid that would get me kicked out of the classroom. But whenever I was in the principal's office, I always listened to my principal. I always took the punishment or the consequence and I took it with love because again, I didn't want to be embarrassed by my peers. So, so but, but my, so was there like a learning disability you had 100%. then? Oh, there was. Yes. Okay. I, had, I had more than one learning disability. I, de I definitely have ADHD, attention deficit disorder. So yeah. it's extremely difficult for me to sit for an extended period of time and learn. And then I was dyslect dyslexic. And again, I struggled significantly with the reading and writing because my family wasn't helping me you know, at home with books because they didn't right. know how to read. We didn't right. have money for tutors. Um, and I was too embarrassed to tell people at that time. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Good morning, yeah. Walden. So yeah, I definitely, that's, that's exactly why I became the teacher that I always wish I had. And I became a special education teacher specifically to work with the kids that were falling through the cracks the kids that were not being serviced in a mainstream high school because I was that student, I was that child. And I knew that if I got to reach those children that I could actually get to the core of what was happening. And when you can get to the truth and when you can get to the core of what the underlying problem is, that's the only time that you can actually accept it, accept it at that stage in your life and then work with somebody to take the proper steps to move forward, you know, productively and, and successfully. And, and I didn't realize that I was able to, I, I was actually going to be able to be that person. Like, 
the fact that I graduated high school was a big deal, let alone go on to university and then become this extremely successful educator in special education. Again, wow. I am not, I don't consider myself to be an academic teacher. I focus on life skills. I focus on social skills, social emotional problems, how to think, act and be in the world, you know, how to be human. And yeah. I, I feel like that is missing in our education system. Yes, I'm not dismissing reading and writing is of utmost importance, but social behavior, social relationships, social interaction with yourself and others is, is, a, is a massive part of education that I feel like is being underserviced. So I took the liberty wow. to dedicate my life to that. And I'm, wow. still, doing that now. I'm still doing that now. That yeah. is so awesome. So, yeah. so you ended up, you went to university. You went through all. So what was it? So, uh, what was it like, though? Um, we got Ron in Boston calling you Miss B. Yes, I am known as Miss B. Yes, what? I am. Thank you, Ron. Hi, Ron. That's, that's, that's awesome. it. I mean, my especially the first 15 to 20 years of my career, everybody knows me. Like not only the students, the street gangs, you know, the murderers, the prostitutes, the gang leaders, the homeless, the people at the shelters, all across the GTA, I can walk down certain neighborhoods and everybody will, I mean, neighborhoods with that are hard. I, I'm mainly in the hardest to serve areas across our planet, from Canada to USA, you know, Chicago, LA, you go to the hardest to serve areas. Haiti being um, my number one country that I've worked in, not only do I work in Haiti, but I work in what is considered the hardest communities to serve in Haiti, where wow. the Haitians don't even go into those neighborhoods. So and you go. I, I do go. I, I do. <sighs> I, I, that's what I say. Like, you want to talk about trust and belief in yourself and the universe and all good karma and all good nature to be there for you. I live by that. I, I do not, absolutely not listen to the media. I do not listen to probably what 90% of the population even tell me because wow. um, I exactly run. I have put service above self and I have literally become a, a human who is sacrificing my life by choice for the greater good of others. And that's are, what leads me. Are you, are you, um, I mean, do you find yourself ever though in like situations you're like, Oh no, this isn't good. Oh yes. All <laughs> the time. All the time. I, I definitely, again, I have to go against the norm and I have to trust and believe, but there have been many times I have so many stories. That's, that's wow. the thing I bring to the table is a good story. Um, there's so many, probably on a daily basis, there's a moment in my life where if I'm not putting, you know, my life at risk, I'm putting one of my team members life at risk, but we all do this knowing that this is part of what service to humanity involves. It means, you know, using yourself, your gifts, your talents, your resources for the greater good of others. And when you are truly of service to the people who need you the most, like these communities in Haiti, in Kenya, in Africa, in Colombia, 
all of these places that help heal humanity is servicing are some of the hardest to serve places on our entire planet. So, you know, with serving the hardest to serve communities in the world comes a lot of aggressiveness, a lot of, you know, unsafe situations, a lot of danger. But again, as long as you have the right mindset, skill set, and you learn how to think, act, and behave in those ways, um, I think your spirit will get you through everything. Your mind. That is so incredible. So, so <clears throat> Charles Coachman says his son recently has recently taken up working with children and teens with autism. His wife just retired as an elementary school teacher working in a gang ridden area of San Jose. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that's, you know, it's, it's, it's very true. Like you said, unless, you know, unless you've lived with and experienced severe mental health, unless you've gone into these hoods, these gangs, I, you know, Bloods and Crips are a very big, well-known gang all across the world. I had Blood and Crip leaders in my classroom under the same roof, ready to kill each other. I've had, you know, guns pulled out in really scary situations. I, I've seen very, I mean, I worked in state penitentiaries. I worked in the biggest uh, young offenders facility in Canada for four years. I lived, I'm sorry, I worked in um, three of the biggest mental health facilities in Toronto. So wow. when you are and you surround yourself all day, almost every day with people that are suffering at a rate that you will never understand or are committing crimes that are putting them in jail and, and, and felonies that have you know changed their life uh, forever in the bad, you start to become numb to all of it truthfully but then you also realize that again it's always you know this the special education teachers because we have this big heart and we want to help we want to, we want to raise that underdog to the level and to the potential we know that they can be at and yeah. really you know it was through becoming the teacher like you said being a special education teacher being in these environments where i'm serving for sure Unfortunately, what is determined the, the, the lowest, most inhumane part of society. And I'm serving these people every day, both in my professional life and my passion at night with being, you know, part of this on the streets with the homeless and the street gangs and the prostitutes. And so I was. Oh, one, one second. So you're, you're going out to the streets at night? Yes, every day. And, Seriously? Yes. I mean, I, I can tell you many stories, and I have many newspaper clippings. I have many. But, but what are what are you doing? You're walking up to prostitutes and and saying, "Hey, you want to chat?" Or I mean, what are you doing? So, um, there's two things that I'm doing, and again, this is this is part of my journey and my story, and why I believe everybody can be transformed. Yeah. Because again, I would do it, but first in my classroom with my kids my kids being the hardest to serve youth. And I'm trying to teach my kids life skills, social skills, and how to think, act, and be in the world as productive members of society. I'm trying to reintegrate them into life and into a better life. And so it's really hard to do that because nobody wants to deal with these kids or these populations. So instead, what I did was I started to use my kids 
and I started to use the street gangs and I started to use the prostitutes and I started to put them together to teach them life skills and social skills, social skills and teach them how to not only help themselves, but use each other to help each other. So wow. I would take my students every, like every Thursday for sure. Well, it was every, every Thursday and Friday. Thursdays were one of my favorite days of the week. I got to take my students to feed the homeless. Like it, how amazing is that to wake up in the morning, thank God I'm alive, Wow! get, get to school where I'm getting paid exceptionally well. And now I get to take all my students downtown Toronto for the day where we go, we prepare. Like, so my students are now learning how to take the trains across the city. They're learning even how to go to places that they might need to go to in their life, such as the food shelter, you know, the, the homeless shelter, sorry, the food bank, the woman's shelter, Value Village, you know, they were, they were shelving clothing at Value Village to learn how to work in retail. They were work, some of them, we would be volunteering in, you know, nature parks and learning how to be outdoors. So they were all learning how to be different in the world by doing differently. And again, I used my students to role model to them and myself that we can do anything. So we can use ourselves, people that nobody wants to deal with. And I would tell my students, like, we were chosen to be together. Like, you guys are amazing and nobody sees your potential. But by the time you get out of this classroom, Miss B promises you, you will be a different human being. And we have to take this journey together. It's <laughs> my mind is a little bit blown miss b because i didn't know all this about you wow so so and we're not even halfway to the story <laughs> i i know well i want to back up um you so you have these students are they are they special needs are they I, what what what, where are they on the... Well, so again, for my very first teaching position was in jail. So I was teaching young offenders in jail. In jail. In jail, yes. And these were the kids that were serving five plus years. If you're a young offender serving five plus years... You've done something you've, bad. Ex you've Real committed bad. the biggest crimes on multiple occasions. So... Yeah. Those were my clientele. So I was limited in what I could do with them because I could not take them out of the jail environment. Right. What I could do was make their school days the most productive, successful school kind of learning environment that they've ever experienced. Because I would tell my students, you know, we are not picking up textbooks for at least, you know, the first three, five, six months we're together. We, I got to learn how to be human. And they're like, what do you mean, miss? I'm like, clearly, whatever you're doing in the world is not working for you. You, know? <laughs> you said that? Always, always. Even in my classrooms when I, like, again, when I had the bloods, I had the crips, I had autistic. Really, it was so odd because I'd have autistic kids. I'd had kids with learning disabilities and following on different ends of the spectrum. Then I'd have complete gangsters and criminals. So I have 15, once I left the jail setting and then I had my own classroom, I'd have 15 of the hardest to serve youth in the city under one roof. 
right? Yes, and that's it. I, 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 I was saying this the other day. Parents would come, or the the police would come, or some, or the guardian would come to pick them up, and it would be seven, eight o'clock at night, and I'm still sitting with them on the streets or here or there. I, you know, putting myself in situations, as we said earlier, that I should not be in. You know, in in the middle of gang wars, in the middle of gang fires, in the middle of really, you know, unethical situations. And I did it because I cared for them and I wanted them to know that they were not alone and that together, whatever it was they were going through, I accepted, appreciated and loved them for who they were, but together we were gonna get them to the next level. And it took time, it took a lot of time, a lot of patience, a lot of belief in myself, a lot of belief in them. And then I've gone on to tell everybody, including my students who I still talk to today, because I quit my job five years ago, um, that we can really do anything we set our mind to. And if my students could step up to the plate to help others, and through my students and I, we, we organically form a charity who now obviously is not being run by my students and I, but is being run by very successful, amazing people in the world, wow. um, that we really can do anything we put our mind to. And if we just take the steps every day, little steps, Little steps every day, even when we don't know how to do it and just get out of our heads and do it, we can achieve anything. And when my students, the kids that nobody wanted to deal with, the kids that no, every, like all society had turned away, started to go out into the world and be of service to others, like that they could actually make a difference in other people's life, blew their mind because nobody wanted them. And now all of a sudden they're feeding the homeless. And they're, they're seeing that they're making a difference to the homeless. They are, again, in the women's shelter, we're cleaning, we are preparing meals, we are giving out, you know, making clothes and boxes of, you know, emergency products. At the food bank, we're putting together, again, boxes, and we're delivering them to low-income families. And my, my students are, like, not understanding, wait, why are they homeless? Or... Why, why do they have a home, but they can't afford food? And then so all of a sudden, these kids start to realize, like, maybe my life is not as bad as I thought it was. Maybe I'm not as stupid as I think I am. And actually, I, I can actually do something to help somebody else. And when my students started to experience those feelings and emotions, and they started to see themselves grow and mature in a completely different way, they're like I always said they would yay leave it <laughs> yes 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 you know they at the beginning and you would see it I, I could actually just show you before and after pictures because my kids at the beginning of the year they were you know they had no self-esteem they were slouched over they were you know overweight and just through our actions um teaching them how to take care of themselves teaching them how to eat properly teaching them how to go out go for walks how to go to the gym, how to release, how to play basketball, you know, teaching them all these skill sets and then putting them in the world. By the, by the end of the year, and for some of them, I would have up to two years, the person that they came in and the person that they left were completely different. And wow. because I've seen that transformation and I've not only experienced it myself as a child through my own learning, but then be able to pass that gift on to my students and then see my students pass that gift on to others i know that this method and this mythology works it's just a matter of getting more people 
um, to realize their true potential. And like you said, getting them unstuck and, and getting them to live a life that is fulfilling for them and not who they think they should be or who they've been told to be. So, so let's, let's talk about the, the, the most important part. And that is you're teaching them how to be human yes. and, and you're, I, I love, love, love the fact that you're not cracking open the textbooks and, and you're, you're, so what are some, uh, some examples of, I don't know, maybe a transformation? How do you teach? Because I've, I look, I, I'm very transparent. I'm I'm a recovered alcoholic. The first time I was arrested was 12 years old, and and I was an alcoholic by that time. And and I went through some crazy stuff as a kid. Um, I may have may have spent a, uh, a a little little time at a juvenile center as a kid. Um, but you know, I turned my life around, obviously, and and today it's a completely I don't even remember that life really, but, but there's, uh, there's a lot of people who don't statistically, I should be dead or incarcerated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's why people like you are leaders and innovators and creatives because we use our life story. We're right. Not, we're not looking at theories and textbooks, which obviously have great lessons, but when you have actually lived and experienced that life of right. being depressed, being an alcoholic, being a drug addict, having you know mental health, you and then you strive above, you become a leader and an example for others. So again, being a special education student, let me connect deeply with the special education education kids I was teaching because I'd be like I was you they're like no you're not miss I'm like yeah I got kicked out of school yep I got suspended yes I got caught doing this yes I got caught doing that and I'm like so I know it's possible because I was like you and I never thought I would be where I am today and it well I'm I'm curious of how how you take a because I wasn't a gang member yeah. how do you take a gang I mean some of those those guys and girls are hard freaking core. I mean, oh, really hardcore. Really, so really hard. How do you take a gang member and, and, and create a, especially if they're incarcerated, for example, how do you have them? How, how do you create that? What, what do you do? What are yeah. some of the things that you do? I feel like, again, it, it only happens with real truth, raw truth and integrity. When you can break someone down, and that's ultimately what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm breaking them down. I'm mm. letting them see their reality. And because I'm always there for them and that we have that human connection, they believe in me. So they open up to me. And again, this is why I say like, I have the lesson plans and I have all the binders and all the things that I needed to look professionally, academically, but you cannot mirror the human spirit and connection I had with these kids. And so first I would just really get to know them and love them and accept them and let them know that they are loved and accepted because every human, even, and especially the gangsters, the prostitutes, the homeless, all of those people have hearts that are ridiculously bigger than what you would actually believe. They've been so broken in their life and they have been taught by the product of their environment 
So they're born to believe that the actions that they're doing are normal because that's all they know. You cannot do or be something if you're not inspired by them. So if your inspiration is, like you said, an alcoholic father, a drug addict mother, you know, a, 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 a very bad, you know, parent, then yeah. you as a child believe that that's all you know. So you start to act in that way, but nobody wants to be the loser. Nobody wants to be the stupid kid. Nobody wants to be the drunk guy on the floor for the hundredth time. Just right. so those are what you're doing is you're masking your heartache with drugs and alcohol. So yeah. it's really just getting to the root of that heartache. Why are you doing this? What is, what is making this happen for you? And, and again, showing them the different options and possibilities. Yes, you can continue on this life. Yes, you can continue being this, but this is most likely going to result in more of this, which is more jail time, more street time, more sh not good situations. Or yeah, yeah. like everybody, I'm sure there's something inside of you that wants to be loved, wants to be appreciated, wants to have, a you know, everybody wants a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a partner, especially at young ages, you right, know, right. and they, they do want a nice life. They just don't think that that's possible for themselves. So they just keep misbehaving and they keep acting out, not knowing any other way. But when somebody comes in and really holds your hands and lets you know that you're there for them and that you can get through this together and you're going to be their cheerleader and their coach, you can break somebody right down. Yeah. And after breaking them down, you can break them open. So you, like every kid on my desk, every kid in my classroom on their desk, on the right left side of their desk would be a sheet that had their triggers, the things that set them off. Most of these kids are acting out. There is no such thing as talking it out. You fight it out. There's no such thing as, you know, you know, acting nice, calm, cool. You act aggressive, mean, and ugly. So I have all those triggers on one side of their desks. And then I would think about all the things that they loved and they enjoyed. So I'd have their coping skills on the right side of their desk. And I would get to understand my students better than they understood themselves. So sure. I would say at one point, like, look at, look, Number four, you, you are getting upset right now. So you need to get out of the classroom and you need to go and play your basketball. You need to go for a walk. You need to go punch the punching bag and you need to stop what you're doing right now and break that pattern if you actually want to be a better human. And so over time, it was not always easy. It's definitely not easy. None of it, it is easy, but you're there for them. And so once, it, it, and I see the transformation because in the beginning, the kids are like, Miss, this is so stupid. But then within months, the, I, instead of me yelling at them, like, come on, number three is happening and you need to, you need to go do number one or two. <laughs> and then, you know, months into it, they're like, miss, I, I'm getting triggered right now and I need to go and I'll be back in five minutes. So they started to recognize wow. it. And they started to learn how to better deal with themselves. And again, I say this, we would role model, role play. And this was part of the boldness of my classroom because, you know, the blood, the, the, the guy who was leading the bloods versus the guy who was leading the crips versus, you know, the autistic kid that looked and acted silly, everybody would pick on each other. And I would call it out. I would just call it right out, really? So you think you're smarter than him because he looks like this or you do this or you do that? get up in front of the classroom and I would challenge them 
I'd put them right up on a spot in front of each other to the point where, you know, they started to learn about each other too. Like, here's the autistic kid that they think is fat, ugly, stupid in the back who can't do nothing. And I'd throw him up. Once they would make fun of him, I would throw him up at the front of the classroom and I would say, I, I'm not supposed to say their names, so I would say whatever his name is. And I'd ask him, you know, because he was so gifted in math or he was so gifted in these other areas. And, yeah. I, and I would start to say, like, things that the other kids would never understand, like, what's 20 times 20? What's 100 divided by 2? What's this, this, this? And he, he would just bang them off in front of the class. And the other kids were like, how does he do that? And I said, yeah, so he's here for one reason and you're here for another. And your reason is no different than his because we're all trying to get the end result of being better humans. So do not put down the autistic kid. Do not put down the gangster kid. Do not put down the druggy kid or whatever they you know, would term each other as because we're all humans. We all have hearts. We all have spirits. We all want to be loved the same way. And we all ended up in this classroom because I am your last hope for you. You know it, your family knows it, everybody knows it. So now is your time to learn and inspire and transform or go to the back of the class and don't ruin it for us who are trying to, you know, do it up here in the front. And wow. I did have some Mr. Miserable kids in the back. But when they started to see what was happening in the front, they slowly make their way up to the front. So again, I'm never forcing somebody to do something that they don't want to do. I'm just wow. leading, leading by example giving you the tools and the resources and ultimately it's your decision right and wow. then at that point you don't have excuses anymore you know it's i don't know what's harder is feeling sorry for yourself and not knowing the answer or actually knowing the answer and having to do something about it i'll bet i'll bet that you are actually safer than most people walking through some of those neighborhoods oh for I, sure. i'll bet that you have all, all kinds of protection and and that's that's again that's coming to know your purpose in life, coming to know your truth. Um, you know, we still don't know the entire story of you know who I am and how I got here. But in a nutshell, my successful teaching with my students, whom again I never thought I would even graduate high school, let alone become this teacher that I was. Um, and then my students, again, being out into the world. That's how this charity behind me, Help Heal Humanity, was formed, was because when my students started to see the level of suffering in their own community, they couldn't believe it. And these are kids nobody wants. And then one particular day when I was coming home from, with my students from feeding the homeless on the Thursdays, like I said, every Thursday religiously, for 15 years, we were serving the homeless. And that was for them to learn how to get around in their city, that was the home, the shelter at the homeless kitchen was a full on industrial kitchen. So they were either learning how to make meals. They were either in the dishwasher being, you know, dish pit, or they were up in the front serving. So when you left my classroom, you left with a resume that had at least three workplace experiences in the hopes that you can find job in the world. And when we were coming back, and this is where my life, again, there was many pivotal moments in my life, um, where the Thursday, it was Thursday, May 11th, 2010. My students and I were coming home from feeding the homeless, and on all the TV stations, 
there was the devastating earthquake in Haiti, one of the biggest catastrophic earthquakes to ever hit our planet and hit the poorest, the poorest country on our planet. You know, so that was like a massive double whammy. I know nothing about Haiti except for Haiti is an exceptionally poor country. And so when they were showing the devastation, I looked and my, my students, you know, I was always a happy, silly, silly, silly cheater. Like I'm always trying to make people laugh. I will make myself look absolutely ridiculous just for you to smile. And I would say that to my kids, if I made you smile today and if I made you forget about your problems, then I did a great job today. And they would, they saw me somewhat upset and they're like, Miss B, like what's wrong? And I said, you guys, you guys think you have it bad. I'm like, look at that. And they're like, what is that? I'm like, that's a massive earthquake that happened in Haiti. I said, and you know, the students, they hate the police because they're always in trouble. You know, they hate the school because school kicks them out. And you know, I said, you know, the stupid police and most of them live in group homes, you know, the stupid group home and you know, all, you know, the, 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 the mental health hospital, all these places and all these services that you think are stupid there are kids in this world that would die for your life. And my students were like, what do you mean this? I'm like, there are kids that wish they could go to school, but they don't have a school to go to. There are kids that wish that they could call the police when they're in trouble, that they had an actual home to go to, that they actually had a meal that somebody would serve them. I said, you guys don't realize that there are kids all over the world that don't have that. And my students in that moment challenged me And this is again where my life shifted. They said, well, Miss B, and they were very, very right. You tell us every morning we can do anything we set our minds to. So I think we need to set our minds to building a school for these kids. And just like that, of course, living in Canada, having, you know, being a special education teacher, I know nothing about Haiti. I do not know how to build a school. I do not know how to work in foreign countries. But I said to my students, yes, let's do it. We'll we'll go back to the classroom and every day we'll start to figure out how we can do something to help those kids and we will try to build them a school. And I, again, wanted to stay true to the concept that we can do anything and I wanted to role model to my students only. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to be a hero, but just to them that they can do it and that together we can do it. And thus became a new cycle of my life that I didn't even know I was capable of. So again, testing, testing all limits, breaking all boundaries and just saying yes. And that was it. You know, I, we found out we could build a school, I connected with people in Haiti, my students and I, and again, they learned life skills and social skills because they were planning fundraisers. Like if we were gonna go build a school in Haiti, we needed, you know, $50,000 at least. Go ahead, Fred. So, take a breath. <laughs> I mean, somebody just said, this is the most speechless can has ever been. Like, I- I'm just letting you go. Like you're, you're like, wow. So. Did you take your students to Haiti? I, by law, I was not allowed to bring my students to Haiti. At some point we even had a film crew because it became a very good, feel good story. Like if at risk youth could step up to serve others, 
then not only what is the rest of the world doing, but let's see what they're doing. And so again, like I told my students at the beginning of the year, Miss B is going to make you famous. And so when they would, some of, you know, because of confidentiality, they were not allowed to be on the news because they, they were owned by the government. They weren't allowed to take these trips, right? Very minimal of my oh, students. They were in car, in car, in they were various even, forms of incarceration. <laughs> well, at that time with those youth, they weren't incarcerated, but they were in group homes. And okay. when, you, when you're in a group home, your parents have turned yeah. you over to the government and you now become a, a child of the ward of the government. Um, and so they were not by law allowed. And even sometimes they would get so sad because again, the TV, the, the, the news came inside our classroom. They do news reports on us, you know, um, mm -hmm. newspaper reports. Um, and then, but my students weren't allowed to be on TV. And so they would get so upset because they were like, miss, we finally have our moment of fame and we can't be on the TV. And so I would, again, I'd go above and beyond, you yeah. know, I would find their core parents. And I mean, the government sometimes did not like me. The group home did not like me because I would always find a way to work around <laughs> and figure out, figure out a solution. Like for me, there is a barrier and a mistake. It's just a, a, the next step to, to success. So yeah. I, I would always, I would never, like, there was never, no, we can't do this. It's like, how do we do this and figure out a strategy to do it? And so I did end up getting not all of them, but a good handful of them back to the core of their parents to approve them being on TV or approve them being in media. And I'm in touch with all those kids today. And, you know, they all have, my, they're older now, right? Some of them are they're, they're adults, right? A lot of yeah. Yes, you yeah. know, all of them have my phone number. All of them are on social media. The yeah. whole help heal humanity thing, I think, happened not again because I was trying to form a charity, was because my students and I wanted to help others. And then it just it opened up my heart. Like I never thought I would leave my teaching job. Like I was a highly paid, successful teacher. I quit. Every single paying job I had, all my structure, all my stability at 35 years old to actually live a life of service, live a life of purpose and be able to create a much better place um, than, I, than I was born into and also realize that my purpose in life is much greater than my paycheck and my purpose in life is much greater than the accolades. It's, it's more again, about helping people. Nobody knew what I did. People are starting to understand what I did because now as I don't make an income and now I'm not a teacher, I am you know, running a charity um, that I do have to get my message out there and I do have to get my story out there because without you know, people like Patricia, Patricia Gagic, she is the, you know, she is, I don't even know, she's my spirit mama. She's my mentor. She's my leader. She is a woman of complete success, passion. And, you know, she mentors me and she's wow. number one in my life. And, you know, and I have a few number ones in my life who without their mentorship and guidance, I would never be where I am today. But again, taking that leap of faith from a paying secure job to forming a charity where at this point in time, there are no paid employees. So we are all operating truly 
out of service to humanity. And we are all trying to raise the level and the consciousness of all beings everywhere by being of service and by showing love and by role modeling that there is so much more to life than just that certificate or just that accomplishment that if you actually operate from the heart, from spirit, from from human connection, that maybe you might not have a lot of money in the bank, but your karmic, your karmic bank is like filled to no other. And your purpose and meaning in this world is far greater than anything, any monetary value. Like, and unless you experience it and live it, it's really hard to know because if somebody would have told me this 20 years ago, I would have just laughed in their face and said, I'm not even going to try it. But because I've tried it, I've lived it, I've experienced it, and I'm continuously growing from it by supporters, by my board, by my team, by all the people who without them, I'd never be where I am, believing in us and us trying to change the world one, you know, one student, one country, one project at a time. Wow. <clears throat> I, I'm, I, I truly am blown away. Um, Let's. <laughs> this is only an hour long, but we're going yeah. over. We're, we're going to over. <laughs> we're we'll, we'll, we'll be here at three o'clock. Um, so, so let me ask you. Wow, my my my! I have all these questions. So, okay, first first question is, what is the What's the biggest transformation that you've seen with one of these these students? Oh, one of these students. I have that's you I'm know, sure you have thousands, I, but I want to hear what's I, a big one that sticks out in your mind. Um there's a few of them. Again, you know, I had one girl who came into my program who was completely nonverbal. She only acted out by hitting, biting, screaming, punching. Um, wow. she did not know how to use her words at all. And over time we would teach her, we would teach her how to use her words. You know, we would teach her how to not hit, bite, slap, punch. Um, and not only that, when she finally started to not hide in the corner all day, when she finally started not to hurt people and she started to open up and we started to actually small words, small words, like little words, one, one word to describe a feeling, an action, a thought to then eventually getting to sentences and then actually being on the phone with like a girl who can't write, a girl who can't speak is writing me letters, is calling wow. me on the phone. I'm having full blown conversations with her. She's now gone on to be a child and youth worker. And she works with kids who are exactly like her. You know, she's gotten married. She is back in, in her parents' life. You know, I've gone, I, I hang out with her family all the time. I hang out with her all the time. And every time I talk to her, I almost cry because I'm like, can you imagine, you know, when I first met you and she's one of my, you know, success stories and because her mom and her family are very close to my life and all of them you know believe that it was our energies that helped her get here that they have done interviews on my behalf you know they have spoken about me and the students have spoken about me where i don't need to speak about me you know i have another kid who again he was not living in his family's house he was on the streets 
Um, he was a bit of a gamer. He was, you know, doing illegal things to support bad habits. And again, not doing school, very talented, very bright. Um, once he, he came into my classroom, he didn't even have, you know, a certificate from elementary school, but I saw his wisdom. And so like I put him on a fast learning pace to the point where he was doing, he started off doing elementary school work in my classroom all the way up to college level, left my classroom, going to college, immersed himself in a gaming program. And he's now producing games for big companies. You know, and he he has been in a lot of my videos saying, you know, if it wasn't for Miss B and, and what she did to be there for me, to support me. And again, none of this was easy. I was I was I was putting myself in crack houses. I was putting myself in very unsafe, unstable situations. I was putting myself in the middle of gang wars where I should have been at home possibly maybe dating, maybe, you know, maybe hanging out with friends. But instead I was on the streets and I, you know, and my kids, they called me, miss, it's a situation. A situation means shit is going down. And What's that? So, so give me a real life example without using names, but like you said, I, I put myself in crack houses. Like what, like how, how did you just like walk into a crack house? Hey, what's up? Yes. Yeah, kind of like right now on my daily where I'll walk into Cite Soleil, I'll walk in Canaan, I'll, you know, I'll walk into these neighborhoods. Um, I'll even just say, for example, I'm working with Rotary right now. Um, and I have a big, well, not I, that's not me. It's the charity, Help Heal Humanity has a big collaboration happening with Rotary in Haiti. And our first two project proposals got turned down because no Haitians want to go into Cite Soleil or Canaan where people are getting shot on a daily basis, where people are getting killed on a daily basis. And again, this is where Help Heal Humanity has our schools. We have our feeding programs. We have our, um, you know, our special Olympic program, we have after school programs. And so I, with all my heart, just drive my motorcycle with my team into these areas. And, and again, putting all our lives at risk. My students, you know, the females who were doing prostitution. Whoa, I can tell you some phenomenal stories about that. Um, but again, they were in my classrooms, they were in the jail at that time. And as we know, a lot of these youth are reoccurring offenders. So it was in my classroom um, where I'm not supposed to say this, but I took those girls who learned, earned their living by working the streets and they challenged me because they were like, miss, we don't know how to do math. We don't know how to do this. And you would only be a good teacher if you would teach us math. And I was like, okay, a challenge. I, I can I can have a whole episode about challenges and how I always accept them and, and do crazy things with them. And so I brought these girls into a special room where right on the chalkboard, okay, you know, how much money does it cost when you do this service, when you do this service, when you do this service? Oh yes, but miss, we have, you know, a pimp, we have a, a boss, we need to pay the boss. Oh, but miss, we do crystal meth, we need to, we need to pay our drugs and our druggie. And so I'm teaching them math through life skills. And here's a really funny story, again, that I'm not supposed to be telling. So I guess maybe I'm not a teacher anymore. This can't come back to hurt me. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, they, they realized, and this was a great moment, 
when one of the girls looked and she was, you know, we we're like maybe three, four weeks into the program and she looks and she says, miss, I'm getting ripped off. <laughs> you know, I'm getting ripped off my this. And she figured out where she was losing money. So she was, she was only there temporarily. She got out of jail. She went back, obviously. Hello, Christopher. Hey, Christopher. I told you, I love Christopher. He's he, awesome. You know, he's, he's a coach. He, yeah. if you're looking for a coach, you have to go to him because I tell everyone he is my kindred spirit. He, he is my soul brother because we think the exact same way. And we both come from not any, well, as you know, Ken, we are not coming from easy lives. Yeah. Right? And we, Chris and I know each other well, very well. And we've used ourselves again to role model to humanity what is possible. So I will just finish that story quickly. She was back out into the world and uh, she texted me one night and she said, Miss, it's a situation. And I, I, I'm wondering if you can come and help me. <laughs> okay. Wow. She, she tells me where she is. And again, I should not be doing this, but here I am going down to a very, very rough neighborhood in the city of Toronto. And I went right inside the crack house and I did what I needed to do to get her out there safely. Now, was that an easy experience? Absolutely not. Did I come in conflict with a lot of bad people? But again, I think one of my, my skills in life, one of my gifts is um, be being able to, you know, put my conf conflict resolution skills in there entirely with these people. So between my heart, my passion and my gifts, I can go into, and this is where I say, I, I guess I'm divinely guided because I am going into situations that I probably shouldn't come out, you know, the way I do, which is still in one piece, still intact. Wow. And with either the student, the family member, the child or the worker, you know, getting them out of their, really hard moment and getting them out there safely and getting myself out there safely. And again, this happens on a daily basis now because it used to happen in my classroom. It used to happen on the streets of Toronto, but now it's happening all over the world with Help Heal Humanity in the communities that we serve and what we're doing. And even during COVID, what we've been able to achieve, you know, again, we're going in, we're, we're, we're going into the hardest to serve areas and we are making a difference. But with that, of, of course, comes so much courage, so much empathy, so much compassion. And, and if you don't have the right heart, like again, um, my charity has built schools in countries where we shouldn't be successful, where we don't speak the language, but the nonverbal level, the nonverbal communication of love and everything is in the face and in the eyes. And I think, and I know when I'm looking at really bad people that will could take out a gun and shoot me right away. Mm. And when I'm looking at people with, you know, heart and you just have to know how to engage that audience. You need to know how to deal with them. And that's what I say. I have many hats. I know how to deal with truth, truthfully. And honestly, I think at the beginning, Ken, I was telling you, I don't know who the celebrities in the world are. I don't know um the things that most people know because i don't have tv i don't do media i do everything again in, intuitively in, in intentionally and from heart so i wow. I, 
I, I just, again, all of it is, is learned behavior on a nonverbal level. And when you are actually doing things out of love and not ego and not pride, there is this, I don't, I don't know. It's this spirit that I think, and I believe is around me that keeps me safe because my intentions truly are what I say they are. There's nothing really in it for me other than being the tool between the people who believe in us and the humanity that's receiving it. So, so, so let me ask you that I, I am truly blown away that we are an hour into this. That's insane. Um, let me ask you this. There have to be stories of, you know, as a recovered alcoholic, I, I, I've helped a lot of people over the years trying to get sober and clean up their lives and all that. And, and there were, there's many, many, many examples of, of people who didn't make it. Yeah. That, that died. I've yeah. been to their, I've been to their funerals. Yeah. Um, so have I. Yeah. So, so talk about, and, and, you know, it's ironically, it becomes a driving force. It makes it, it drives it like, you know, it makes it even deeper, but w talk about that a little bit, the, because nobody has a 100% success rate as much as we wish we could. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, I, I will say in this moment that I speak with you, um, there is multiple crises happening and, you know, I do have, you know, um, on a personal level, I have my sister in the hospital and on a professional level, I have some of my workers in hospital right now, like as we speak, because of the chaos that has happened in the last couple of weeks of doing our food delivery programs, of doing our school programs. So I have seen, I have been to funerals where I cry and I, you know, and, and I've given eulogies. I've given many eulogies, you know, from my friends to my immediate family to my, my colleagues. Um, because you know their life ended badly either being of service or being mainly and that's the one that hurts me the most is the mental health component whether it's drugs addictions or just mental health that is the number and you know i just recently did a show with christopher where all we spoke about was mental health because yeah. if your mental health is not in the right space if your mental health is not okay nothing in your life is okay and that's why I try to focus on the life skills, the social skills, the gratitude prayers, the journals, the meditation, because with all of that, you need to shift your mind. And yeah, it, it's so sad when you watch, especially the people that you love, destroy themselves through drugs, alcohol, addictions, depression, yeah. you know, schizophrenia. It happens every day, all the time close to us and all over the world. And unless people start to accept that, acknowledge it and learn how to learn how to not only de-escalate the situation, not only provide the tools, the resources and the coping mechanisms, but then in the darkest of moments, which I always believe the darkest moments is what, you know, really sets our next steps in our new direction in life it's when you're completely broken <laughs> like when yep. you've hit rock bottom and when you've hit rock bottom you're either going to then die which is a very sad reality yeah, or yeah. or you're going to go on to try very hard to transform your life so yeah. on both occasions i'd like to be there to either give you the tools to transform the lives or to support you in your last dying days again 
Wow. You know, we didn't really focus much much on the charity, um, but an extension of Help Heal Humanity is going to the hospitals, going to the jails, or going to the hospice and holding people's hands in death, in dying, and just letting them know that they're wow. not alone. And we do this a lot, especially in Haiti. We do this back home too, because like the projects that, that I run on a local basis, that's just happened out of the goodness of my heart. The global projects happen because of the work that happened locally. And those global projects have really shifted my entire perspective on life. And again, I watched my mom die in my arms. I watched my dad die in my arms. I watched my sister nearly die in my arms. I did watch students die in my arms. And it was those moments that I also realized life is so much more than the paycheck. Yeah. And as you know, Chris says, we only have so many moments in this life. And what are you gonna do with those moments? And what is your, what is somebody gonna say at your eulogy? And right. I have many eulogies and I, you know, I. I would just like to know that I, I made a difference in this world and I helped people. And, and again, that doesn't come with a big paycheck, but it comes with a big heart and good karma. And more than anything, a community, both locally, like my team, my board right now, oh, just phenomenal people. Like you said, I, you know, Patricia Gagic, incredible Mark. I have, you know, a guy named Mark, a guy named Sonny. I have a girl, Natalie, like I have Jane, I have all these amazing people that are here to support this charity so that we can elevate our presence and make a big, big difference in the world. Like Patricia is saying, don't forget to mention our school in, in, in Cambodia, you know, Mama Patricia, and I call her Mama Patricia. In Nairobi? She is, yes. So we have a project in Nairobi, Kenya right now where we are building a school um, and we are 100% facilitating uh, the second level of a school for grades four, five, six, seven, and eight. Wow. And in Colombia, Mama Patricia has already built a library. She sustained a library. And now we're building a school for the kids um, to have a classroom with 25 kids receiving an education. So again, because now it's not just me and I have this incredible board and this incredible team, um, we have extended our projects uh, well beyond Haiti, like she said, into Kenya, into Cambodia. Um, there's a beautiful woman who runs Art Tour International who wants to do a project in uh, Colombia. You know, we have projects in Mallorca, Spain. We have projects in Toronto and Hamilton. And this all happened with no plan. You know, now we have a plan and a vision, but this all just started with, stepping outside ourselves and, and allowing ourselves to be used for the greater good of others. And what I ask people all over the world is to donate your gift because every single one of us have a gift. My gift in particular is being able to go into these communities and spread love and bring joy and bring hope and opportunity. But I can't do that gift if all the other people around me aren't supporting their gift to our charity, right? So if you are a chef, and, you know, we have Dining for Humanity where we ask all restaurants to round up to the nearest dollar for us. If you're an artist, we're asking artists to donate, you know, a certain proceed of their art or their collection to our charity. If you're a business, again, let us be your uh, corporate responsibility charity for giving. 
for educators, let us come into your school, let us run programs, let us inspire your youth, because really our charity was formed based on youth action. And youth action brought me to this place where now it's not so much the youth as it is the adults and the board helping me, but going into the classrooms all over the world, not just in Canada, everywhere, and inspiring the youth that it is them who can make a big difference in the world. So again, are, are, go ahead. Are you in Canada right now? Yes, right now okay. because of COVID, okay. I'm in Canada. Okay. Um, but then, yeah, but most of my life is on the road is yeah. because part of our charity, which I am exceptionally proud of. And again, this is how I hope and feel like Help Heal Humanity will be a leading charity for our planet because again, we don't have paid employees at this point. So all your money that is being donated is going directly to our projects. And more importantly, either Miss B, Serena, or one of our board members is on the ground overseeing that money. So your money is not getting lost. Your money is not being sent to somebody where we don't know what is happening. Unless myself or somebody from the Help Heal Humanity team is on the grounds overseeing those funds, and putting like the proof is in the pudding and the videos and the receipts. Again, I will show my financials to everybody in the world because I'm very proud of the leaders who have gotten us here and the ones that are gonna get us to where we need to be. And that is all heart, that is all spirit and that is all connection. And again, you don't need a massive education for that. You don't need a big paycheck for that. You just need your heart and your soul. And together, if you give up one day of your life for humanity. If everybody just one day gave up their life, one day out of 365 days, and went out into the world and did good for somebody else without expectation, without payback, without rewards, that little shift, that one day would transform the planet. Amen, amen, and amen. I agree, I totally agree. You know, another gift that you may not realize that you have that I'm going to point out is you definitely have the gift of gab. Yes, I do. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm sure there's some people here who are going to laugh. It's really hard to get me to like stop. I know. Well, I, I'm really good at it. So, and although I could be on here all day with you, I don't have that luxury to do that. So, yeah. Listen, I want to, and plus I want people to want to listen. And, and if we keep it close to an hour yeah, um, on the podcast platforms, people are more likely to, to listen and I want them to listen. So helphealhumanity.org is the website, right? Yeah. Um, and wow. I and am social media again, social media. It's either Serena Buffalino or help heal humanity. Send us an email, send us a text like us, follow us, join our newsletter. And literally together, I promise you, we will do something amazing. They're, 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 no matter what it is, if it's personal or if it's, you know, out into the world, we will do something amazing together. So you are doing some amazing things. Absolutely mind blowing. And thank you, Ken, for having me on your show. And thank you for, oh my gosh. for introducing us. And again, it's just sharing each other's platforms. So I'm going to shut up now. It's 11:11. The angels are saying stop. So thank you, Ken. You could close us out. 
You're amazing. I want to say thank you. Thank you to everybody who shared this out. If you didn't share it out, shame on you. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That's a joke. Um, but thank you to everybody who's been on here, shared this out. Um, yeah, Ron said it. Ken Walls, speechless. Unbelievable. Like, I, I'm blown away. Like, thank there, there's, you, Ron. there's not many people. My wife is thanking you. Thank you, Chris. Chris is. I love you, Christopher. Yeah, he's amazing. So thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on. And you know what? Maybe maybe we'll have you on again. I, I, I'm blown away. You're amazing. So thank yeah. you so much. I appreciate you. Let's do it again. We will. You guys right. have a great day. Serena, thank you so much. Thank you. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye.